Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Laura Watkins. Today, we're taking another look at Luxembourg, that tiny country in the heart of Europe that really embodies the David versus Goliath approach to fintech as it takes on the world to become a global fintech hub. And its impact is beginning to be felt on a scale far outweighing its size. Back at the beginning of June 2018, Ross Gallagher, Rosker, visited the Luxembourg House of Fintech during the grand opening of their new residence at the House of Startups and spoke to many of the prominent figures in Luxembourg's fintech ecosystem. From skepticism to curiosity, we actually discovered that Luxembourg, the tiny country sandwiched between France, Belgium and Germany, was quite the hit. And at the time, it was beginning to be a fantastic fintech hub. Nine months after our first visit, we were lucky enough to be invited back to Loft as part of their monthly Fintech Friday events to see what has changed. Luxembourg is now firmly established as a European fintech hub, but now it's looking to branch out from Europe and take on the world. The growth of the Luxembourg fintech ecosystem is outstanding, attracting many fintech firms from abroad and generating a buzz locally. I was lucky enough to speak to some key players within this ecosystem to tell me more including Pierre Gromenia, Luxembourg Finance Minister, Nazir Zubari, CEO of Loft, the Luxembourg House of Fintech, Suzanne Schartz, Chief Operating Officer of Secvoya, a homegrown Luxembourg fintech, Luc Falonpon, CEO at Tokeny.com, a blockchain startup that is celebrating Luxembourg's recent change in law regarding DLT transactions, and Alberto Dalmasso, co-founder and CEO of Satispay, an Italian payments company based in London who have recently moved to Luxembourg. I wanted to find out why fintech is so strategically important for Luxembourg as a country, how this meteoric growth in their fintech ecosystem came about, allowing them to attract giant global players such as Amazon and Alipay. And of course, as we were recording on the 15th of March, 14 days from the Brexit deadline, or so we thought at the time of recording, we wanted to know what impact Brexit will have on Luxembourg and what, if anything, they stand to gain from the UK's departure from the EU. First up, I spoke to Nazir Zubari, the CEO of Loft, to tell us more about how far they've come since Ross's visit last June, how the FinTech Friday meetups came about and how Loft is helping to put Luxembourg on the map. Can you give us an overview of what Loft is, what you do, and specifically what the FinTech Friday event is about? Yeah, sure. I mean, the Loft is a public-private partnership. Uh, It's a not-for-profit foundation that was set up essentially on the behest of our chairman, the Minister of Finance, Pierre Gramenia, um, really to serve as a vehicle, a platform to help ensure the future competitiveness of Luxembourg's financial services centre with a core focus, obviously, on technology. Um, So we act as a sort of national centre for fintech, uh, trying to drive the ecosystem, education and innovation forward for Luxembourg and ensure that it continues to be the leading centre in the EU. Fantastic. And so Fintech Friday, can we dig more into that? How did that come about and what's so sort of special about those events? They've kind of grown over time, much as our own After Dark events kind of have. Yeah, of course. But I mean, I think in many ways... Fintech Friday has come about really from experience of what I've seen and witnessed in other centers um, that works really well. And uh, I guess 
a key element of it was, you know, back in the day in, in, in London that um, uh, there used to be Silicon Drink About, which was very, very popular. I don't know if it still kind of goes on quite to the scale it used to, but it was just great to see a community of people coming together socially to meet, to drink, to find new pe friends um, and, and to celebrate innovation as a whole. And um, what I missed um, following on from London, I went to Berlin and other places, was that this lack of community, this central sort of focal point. And uh, we tried to create that here around fintech. And although, yes, it is meant to be a fintech theme, we see people coming in from all walks of life, um, different sectors, but critically the, from all elements of the fintech ecosystem, from the banking sector, the legal sector, advisory sector, we get some VCs coming in, government coming in, regulators coming in. And, and without any predisposition to... Uh, you know, doing a deal or to having a negotiation just to come and meet and enjoy and have some drinks socially on a Friday. And we, so we kicked it off when we moved to this facility um, on a larger scale. I mean, we were doing it beforehand as well, and we do it once a month, and uh, it's just grown and grown and grown. So it's, it's, as I say, it's just a nice thing on a Friday to, to let your hair down and have a good time. And that's really the core focus. Fantastic. And uh, we'll be joining you for that I in, hope so, in a bit. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us about the kind of meteoric growth of Luxembourg FinTech uh, over the years and then by extension Loft? Um, yeah, uh, sure. Um, Pierre yeah, is kind of leading the way, I guess. Yeah, he's leading the, the way, and he was right. I mean, you know, up until, and I, I don't think I'm unfair in saying this, up until about three years ago, there was really not much going on here in terms of fintech. Um, you know, you could count on, your, on one couple of hands the number of firms that were present in the centre. But it wasn't really taking account of what the centre has to offer. I mean, in 15 days' time, if um, who knows what's going to happen in the British government at the mm. moment, it's a bit of a mess, really. But <laughs> technically, in 15 days' time, if Brexit does occur, it becomes the leading financial centre in the EU in terms of assets under management, right? It is the second largest fund centre only to the US in the world. There are 140 banks here. There's uh, about four trillion in assets under management. Um, in the regulated sector and another four trillion in the unregulated sector. Um, and it's all concentrated in a country of 600,000 people. I mean, you bump into the CEOs of institutions at the supermarket on the weekend. Everyone knows everyone. The access you have to decision makers is unparalleled to any other center I know of. And with that comes a lot of agility. So the focus has really been in terms of showing the world the opportunity to engage with financial institutions in Luxembourg. So a lot of the focus in fintech has been around the B2B sector and, and collaboration between fintech and financial institutions. And, and, and people have sort of jumped on board with that. So, you know, you look at our facility, we have uh, 50 firms that are present in this facility. 90% plus of those are foreign firms that are establishing their EU headquarters now in, in Luxembourg to be able to service the rest of the EU, uh, but with obviously a predominant focus in first and foremost servicing the institutions here um, and then expanding out to, to the other centers. This country has, I think, four languages on average per person, fluent, right? And it's, and it's brought down by people like me that speak one, right? 
Um, you have a support network of lawyers, advisory firms, um, and various other entities that support the finance industry, where you can find the the legal support, the advisory support that you need to be able to service pretty much any country in Europe, but also abroad with our strong links to, to Asia and particularly China. And and that's the, those things are real plus points for firms wanting to, to really hit the ground running and get up and running and service a very international market, which is ultimately what Europe is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's been very positive. I mean, you know, we, we keep publishing our new fintech map every three months or so because it just keeps growing and and we, we seem to get more and more sort of I guess star firms coming and choosing Luxembourg I guess the latest being Alipay wanting to set up their headquarters here uh, we've got a few more up our sleeves that we can't talk about yet but uh, we know are in process so it's, it's been very positive um, um, yeah those, those stats were incredible for such a for such a small company and uh, you know my colleague Ross came to your uh, kind of opening in yeah. in June and back then you were kind of talking about putting Luxembourg on the map and kind of you know your your European um, kind of connections but now that's so much bigger and it's everything's going global and international and that's obviously demonstrated by having Alipay and you know yeah. massive think, firms coming and looking at Luxembourg. Yeah I think I think one thing that I'd like to think is been a core to the success in terms of I mean we don't go out and sell well, we sell the opportunity in Luxembourg, and I think that's a critical element, right? What we say to firms is we're not there trying to grab people by the collar like other centers and say, move to Luxembourg. In fact, that's the last thing we do. What we do is, we, 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 we're, as I said, we're looking to ensure that Luxembourg continues to grow and remain competitive. And the, and, and the main criteria of that is to be able to provide solutions to the problems and challenges that the main industry here faces. So what we do when we go abroad is really try and find, having understood what the main industry issues are, and we work very closely with the traditional finance sector, is to, is to find firms that can solve those problems and connect them. And, 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 and enable business, right? It's not about them moving here. If they choose to move here, that's fantastic. But um, it's about really solving problems and challenges. And I think that's really been the key is that we sell opportunity more than anything. Um, and in that sense, what we do is rather than, you know, we often see this thing, uh, which I've always hated quite honestly, is, you know, coming from London, is London wanting to be number one at everything, right? You know, it it constantly mentions the fact that it is number one in finance, number one in fintech, and and that's seen as a badge of honor, which is fantastic. It's great. And we don't aspire to be that. All we aspire to do is actually collaborate with and work with other centers. And we see a real unity in in Europe, particularly in continental Europe, where all the hubs sort of really try and help each other out, as opposed to sort of put up a fence around ourselves and say, don't don't touch our startups Absolutely. right so would you say that you are now in competition with london or you're just kind of pushing them to one side no it's it's not a competition element at all i mean it's it, it's in our interest in many ways and particularly for luxembourg to ensure london remains the financial center of the planet mm-hmm. uh, luxembourg and london have, have always been strong partners when it comes to financial services as a whole and that uh, permeates across all sectors um, many of the firms that we work with have their headquarters in, in London. 
um, but they come over here because they want to service the community and we, we support them in that. You know, we provide them with connectivity, we provide them with access, uh, support them in their marketing efforts, support them in their um, um, PR efforts within Luxembourg. Um, we don't see that as, you know, uh, as as uh, them and us attitude, it's it's as I said for us, it's about the global good of fintech, right? And Absolutely. trying to ensure the sector moves forward. So when people come to you, would you say that you people it's an inbound request for the majority rather than you kind of taking the Luxembourg message out, or is it about fifty fifty? Yeah, it's 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 about fifty fifty. I guess the main connectivity we get tends to be at conferences when we're very present and in front of people. Um, but increasingly, it's about people coming to us now. So, um, because as I said, we act as this focal point to provide access to the market. And ultimately, isn't that what a fintech firm wants? It wants customers or capital, and we can kind of do a bit of both. But, um, but really, that's what we're trying to facilitate. Um, because by giving them connections to firms that potentially are interested in their technology, we're also helping those firms to ensure that they remain um, at the forefront of innovation and continue to compete effectively in the years to come. Okay. Well, we look forward to hearing about the companies that are coming that you're not allowed to tell us about yet. Um, but aside from that, what does the next 12 months hold for Loft? Um, I think... Well, what we're seeing in the next 12 months, so obviously we continue business as usual and, and our work around facilitation and ecosystem development. But I think what's really interesting to us is sort of a number of the big uh, core projects that we've been working on. And I think that's a little bit of the element that makes us a little special from sort of what a traditional, say, incubator or something would do, in that we do have the remit to identify um, and try and solve sort of large-scale industry or sectorial uh, issues that are occurring within Luxembourg and are probably similar issues in other centres as well. So we have a number of things going on um, around uh, KYC. Uh, we've launched a procurement platform uh, recently with a number of partners such as Cisco, Temenos and Deloitte um, trying to solve the problem of um, uh, agility in procurement processes. Um, trying to help banks become a little faster at that, but also save time and money for all the fintech firms that are involved. Um, and I think the next 12 months is a lot about trying to see these things come to fruition and start penetrating the market and getting users involved so that we can really sort of help the sector on an infrastructure and, and macro level, really. Great. And Fintech Friday, is that going to continue rolling, getting of bigger course. and bigger? Yeah, I hope so, yeah. We might have to find another venue, I think. Though it's, uh, <laughs> You're outgrowing uh, this one. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's getting quite big. Excellent. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much for joining us on Fintech Insider. Thank you, Laura. Thank, Thank you. Next up, I had the pleasure of speaking to Pierre Gromenia, Luxembourg Finance Minister, to get his take on Luxembourg's global ambitions. And of course, I had to ask him about Brexit and what impact that will or won't have on Luxembourg. Let's hear from him now. It's my pleasure to be speaking to Pierre Gromenia, the Finance Minister for Luxembourg. Hi, Laura. Hi, thank you so much for being here. And you're also the Chairman of Loft, which is where we are today for Loft Fintech Friday Meetup. Yes. Well, uh, I think this is a nice tradition that uh, has been established uh, over the months here that this uh, Fintech Day on a regular basis. And 
as I've missed a few, I thought it's high time that uh, I'm present there. And today is a very rainy day. So it's a perfect day to have a, a fintech day because uh, it's Friday. And if the sun would have been shining, maybe less people would have turned out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> people would come for a free drink in the rain. Yes. <laughs> um, so you're, you're here, obviously, to talk to the, the Fintech Friday attendees. And we've heard that you're going to be telling us about kind of 2019 uh, vision and fostering innovation in Luxembourg. Can you give us a kind of overview of, of that. Why is fintech so strategically important for Luxembourg? Well, basically, fintech uh, is changing the world of financial services. And uh, we are a well-known financial center that has developed uh, very nicely and broadly over the last 30 to 40 years, uh, starting with private banking and then with the investment fund industry, um, where we are now number two in the world. Uh, but uh, in all these areas, there's a lot of change coming through technology and IT. And uh, I think it is important for a government to also embrace that change. Now, I trust the private players to do their homework and they will adjust to the, to the future. But on the other hand, we needed to create the right atmosphere and framework on top of having a very attractive legal framework. So creating the loft was basically making sure there is a one place where all the players come together and feel comfortable. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So wh why is it that Luxembourg is so popular with fintechs? Like you started the loft because there was obviously a, an appetite for it. Yes, we felt that there, there was appetite for it, but it's always difficult to know how much uh, there is. It's a chicken and egg issue. Yep. Um, and uh, let's say the way we started is was to ask traditional players that are already here and a few players that were uh, based here, uh, for example, payment companies. Uh, I'm thinking uh, uh, of um, um, PayPal, for example, has had its headquarters here since 2007. So at a time where probably the name of fintech did not exist, they were already here. So we were lucky enough that some players, Amazon was here uh, already, that uh, back in 2013-14 when the idea came up, we had a foot in the door. Um, and then we thought, build on the newcomers that are here, larger ones, smaller ones, the traditional players, and, and bring them together. Uh, that was one aspect. The other one was obviously to advertise um, uh, Luxembourg outside as a place ideal for fintech. And I must say we've been successful because uh, in a time of 18 months, we basically are full here. That means uh, we have over 50 uh, companies uh, that are here. Some have desks, some, some have offices, and nobody wants to walk out. So we're full for newcomers, which is a sad issue, but we're working on it. But obviously, it's also a sign of success. Absolutely. Um, so last time you were on Fintech Insider, you were speaking to my colleague, Russ, about how Luxembourg is growing as a fintech hub and beginning to become a player on, on the European and the international stage. Is it kind of, that was six to nine months ago, we were just discussing this. Um, is it true to fair to say that you've seen like massive traction in the last six to nine months to the point that you're now talking on a global scale? Um, about Luxembourg and the opportunities it has to offer? Well, I think that uh, the last nine months, uh, which is the necessary time to do a baby, uh, has uh, been very productive, mm -hmm. if I may use that image, in the sense that uh, a lot of new players have come in, uh, some from very close, uh, some Luxembourg initiatives. Uh, I've signed a few uh, 
licenses uh, in the last couple of weeks of Luxembourg initiatives. Uh, I could uh, mention, for example, LuxHub, uh, which happened uh, two days ago uh, on the eve uh, of uh, the uh, open banking uh, test phase of the European Union. That happened, uh, as I mentioned, two days ago, where four traditional players have uh, put together uh, their efforts for open banking, reducing their costs and being uh, very attractive and costly uh, efficient to uh, or, or other players that are farther away. Uh, the context of Brexit has helped, uh, but also from Asia, the, the good news is that uh, Alipay has uh, decided to, to establish its headquarters for Europe uh, in Luxembourg. And obviously that's an important player. It shows that we are attractive, especially in the field of payment services, but not only as we now have, I mentioned uh, PayPal, uh, we have Rakuten of Japan, uh, we have uh, Alipay from China. So it seems that we're gathering momentum and becoming a preferred location for payment services. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Nazi was telling us about the Alipay uh, sign up. That's huge, like a massive name. Like on our, on our new show, they're always in the headlines of doing something new and innovative. And that must be really exciting that they've chosen Luxembourg over anywhere else they could have gone in Europe. Yes, uh, I must say uh, during my last trip uh, to to China uh, in the beginning of the year, uh, we, we could make this official and they, they got their license already. Uh, they applied obviously quite a few months uh, earlier. So they are, they are the most prominent newcomer in this nine months and uh, they're very active. And obviously they're already too big to come to the loft, but uh, they will participate to the activity to exchange of views and influencing and exchanging with uh, smaller players. What, so why is it, do you think, that the traction around Luxembourg has happened so quickly and has ramped up so fast? Well, it's probably a combination uh, of things. One is that we are very inconsistent in uh, wishing to develop and diversify our financial center, uh, which is key to our economy. Second, uh, we've made everything we can to ensure that uh, we stay a triple A uh, country in terms of financial rating, and there's only 10 countries in the left in the world left that have a triple A. Third, a gov government that tries to be lean and efficient and listens to the needs. Uh, so uh, recently we have adopted a legislation uh, in the field uh, of uh, distributed ledger that makes sure that uh, if you pass a contract through distributed ledger or if you distribute funds or do an operation through distributed ledger technology, it is uh, considered uh, legally exactly the same as if you'd done it in the traditional way. Uh, we've also done it uh, technology neutral. And um, this is a, a typical quick action that we took to give uh, the players the security they need. And we're going to continue in that direction. And that must be quite innovative, I imagine. The well, there's few countries who have done that. Now, there's some players who say you don't even need to do that. It's obvious that it is the case. But I, I think legal security, if, if you have it enshrined in law, uh, in, in a law that's on paper, that has been voted by parliament, is still very reassuring. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so what about the, the kind of role of the regulator while we're talking about uh, the kind of legalities of things? Um, I remember from the first interviews we did, everyone was talking about the openness of the regulator to get behind innovation over here, but with the kind of the security of a regulatory framework. Is that a fair assumption? <laughs> Yes, I, I think the, the role of regulators is evolving uh, a lot in the world and in Europe uh, since the financial crisis of 2008. 
um, there were also uh, players, uh, institutions, financial institutions who, who were coming to Luxembourg uh, many years ago because they thought that the Luxembourg regulator uh, is cooler and more easygoing. Now, I even doubt that that was ever the case. Uh, but what I can say definitely that over since the financial crisis, there's been such a push for more regulation, more controls, more compliance. And every uh, regulator in Europe and in the world has had to comply with that. And I can confirm to you that the Luxembourg regulator does exactly that, making sure that those who come fulfill all the conditions and there, there's no lenience on nothing. On the other hand, uh, what we make sure is that we listen to the specific needs or the specific business model of each player. And if the EU directive uh, offers an option there, uh, we're going to use it. In other words, compliance is key, but uh, dialogue uh, is as important. Absolutely. So um, you mentioned the EU there. We are recording on the 15th of March. Potentially in two weeks, the uh, UK is about to leave the European Union. So I'm going to have to ask about sure. about Brexit. Um, does Luxembourg stand to gain from Brexit if the if the um, UK leaves the EU? Does that factor into any of your your planning or thinking at all? Uh, now we have to be extremely realistic about the consequences of the announcement of Brexit and the official. A request of the United Kingdom uh, on the 29th of March 2017 to exit the European Union. That has provoked a lot of um, thinking, uh, a lot of shifts already. So quite a few companies said already in 2017, we cannot sit here and wait to see what happens. Um, and so a lot has already happened even prior to the definite exit. Um, let me also underline that as Luxembourg, we've said from the beginning, uh, we are in a cooperative mode. So our message was not close your offices in London and open in Luxembourg. Uh, second, uh, we said we need to reach out to London today and we will need to do the same tomorrow because however this Brexit will finish, we will continue and we want to continue to work very closely with the City of London. And I can tell you that message was um, taken up very positively by all bankers, fund managers, insurance companies, and fintech companies I met. As a result, um, there's been now a few studies published on this. Uh, there's more than 50 companies that have already moved some operations, some people to Luxembourg, including fintech companies. And in the latest uh, six months here in the loft, we've had an enormous amount of requests by fintech companies that are interested to have a foothold, a headquarter, a presence, a substance uh, inside the EU single market. And, and why is that? Obviously, uh, we know that whatever the shape of this exit will be, uh, the axis, or let's say the general and automatic axis, will, will last if you are only based in London. And we're offering the presence here uh, in the loft is very advantageous. And you are also in a framework and you have pals around and, and, and experienced people to uh, exchange with. And I think that's been a win-win formula. Uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, let's face it, there's still uncertainty about the Brexit, but let's also face it, quite a lot has already happened. 
Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that there's going to be momentum on building on what's already happened up until the Brexit decision in terms of people moving out or moving into Luxembourg? My guess is that in the in the run up uh, of the date of the 29th of March, that's two weeks from now, uh, there's not going to be anything spectacular, but because those who needed to be ready for that date have already acted. Uh, I need. I think uh, some customers who are still hesitating will just wait until uh, the the whole situation has clarified. So those who have waited until until now probably wait a few more weeks to see how it all unfolds. Yeah, if they were going to move, they would have done it already. Yes, potentially. Yes. Okay. Um, so what happens next? Do you think what happens? Um, in the immediate future, like we've been talking about exactly how much has changed in six to nine months. What do you reckon the next six to nine months will hold for, for Luxembourg and for the law? Uh, if I stay with Brexit, we really have a big uh, question mark for the next couple of weeks to see how this is going to materialize. Will it be a, a no-deal exit which, which will leave a lot of questions hanging and a lot of uncertainty uh, to the detriment of business uh, on both sides of the channel? Um, that's one thing. Uh, if it is with a deal, uh, we have the great advantage of having a transition period. And this transition period, which is, has been negotiated, negotiated to last nearly two years until uh, the end of uh, 2020, is exactly the time you need to uh, unroll things, to settle uh, issues that haven't been, to make sure that everything goes smoothly. And even two years is a short period because to unwind the close relationship that has been established uh, in between the 28 countries and in particular with the UK is a huge task. So I can only appeal to all those who have a say, uh, make sure that we have a deal because this transition period is extremely precious. If we don't have a deal, we have a, a brutal exit uh, all the work of preparation that has been done is for nothing. And then uh, we will have to find ad hoc solutions in a hurry, which is uh, really not good for the economy. No, absolutely. And then there's a third interim, which may be that the whole thing gets postponed for a little bit longer while they work out what's going yes. on. Yes. I, I don't want to speculate on that because this comes in at a very late stage. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I, I think also for for economy, for the economy, for the service providers, for, for the customs, for all those involved in transactions uh, is, is really a headache. And, and in the end, uh, it will reverberate on customers uh, and clients who will be the direct victims of all of this. So uh, I think uh, uh, I am an optimistic person. I always believe that reason will prevail at the end. Well, let, let us hope so. Um, thank you so much for joining us on Fintech Insider at Loft. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to the minister. And we have to hope he's right and reason will prevail, whatever the Brexit outcome. Up next, I spoke to Suzanne Schatz, COO of Secvoya, a Luxembourg fintech that are relatively old, in inverted commas, for a fintech, as they started in 2012, and therefore to get her unique perspective on how the fintech landscape has changed since they started out. It's my pleasure to be joined at Lost Fintech Friday uh, by Suzanne Schatz, COO of Secvoya, uh, who spent 20 years in the asset management industry before taking her current role. So thank you so much for joining us here. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Um, for our listeners who may be less familiar, could you give us a quick overview of, of what Segvoya do? 
Yeah, sure. So Sequoia was founded in 2012 as a spin-off from an existing company, Victor Buck Services. Um, that's a company that our CEOs, our current CEOs, Nicolas Buc and Renaud Jamin, founded in 2002 and sold in 2012. Okay. So there's some experience there already. Um, Sequoia is a reg tech. We're offering tech and human services that solve fund compliance issues on documentation and reporting. And what makes us unique is that we have a deep insight into technology and the business. So we provide efficient solutions. Okay, fantastic. And we were discussing just before we started um, that you guys being uh, founded in 2012 is actually quite old for a fintech in, in, in kind of this game, um, most starting around 2014 right up until the present, present day. So, yeah, we, we, we are. It's quite funny to say we're old, <laughs> seven years old. Yeah. Um, but um, we have the best of two worlds. Mm-hmm. So we have an established business. And we have some of that maturity. Um, we have also a good cash flow because of the established business. I'm sure that helps. <laughs> that helps. But um, we're still a very small company. We mm-hmm. work with great flexibility. And we've just started a new project. So we're, we're started um, developing a new solution. Mm-hmm. So we are a startup and an established company at the same time. Oh, fantastic. So you, you've got kind of the best of both worlds. Yes, we have the, the excitement of starting something new, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenges with it as well. Where do we do? What do we, you know, how do we pitch it and so on and so forth. But we have a bit of a background saying we know the clients, we, we mm-hmm. have an established service model and so on. Are you allowed to tell us about the new project that you're working on? Um, yes, I can tell you about it. Um, it's, a, it's a solution looking at um, data-driven product management. So we're servicing the fund industry today. We will remain in this space with a new product. And this new system allows companies to collaboratively create a base of data, manage product lifecycle, and then also produce insight through analysis tools on that data available. Mm-hmm. And that's a direct result from what we've seen in our current business. Data, that's not a surprise anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a big challenge. We think with this new product, we have a, a really new take on how to resolve the data issues because they're not, strictly speaking, about collecting data. They're about making sense of the data. Mm-hmm. So it's not about what the data is, it's what the data what the tells da- you. Yes, what it tells you, but also what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of advanced labeling. <laughs> yeah. Making sure you really understand the data and make it reusable for everyone. So that's what we've just started and yeah, oh, very excited about it. Um, so you're a kind of homegrown Luxembourg uh, fintech. What is it about the Luxembourg fintech landscape that, that makes this an ideal uh, environment for a reg tech company, would you say? Well, for me, there's two main points for Luxembourg. The first one is Luxembourg is the number one fund center in Europe and the number two in the world, with a fund industry worth 4,200 billion approximately in net assets under management, hmm? euro. Luxembourg is also a very small country. Mm-hmm. So in combination, it means it's very easy to access international players and understand their challenges. And that helps us to develop and propose solutions that are relevant and on top, we can actively really take part in shaping the industry and in shaping the, the marketplace as well here in Luxembourg mm-hmm. through initiatives like the Loft and others. Luxembourg for Finance would be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Alfie, the Luxembourgish Fund uh, Association. So 
you know, we can really do what we like best, actually work on something and produce results. Sounds great. Uh, so um, how has the global attitude to Luxembourg fintech itself changed over time? Like you were saying, Luxembourg is a small company, but it's obviously growing and beginning to put itself on the map in terms of fintech and, and all the solutions on offer here. I think globally, the attitude to regtech has changed radically. Mm-hmm. Um, because when, when you look what's happening, you see that established players and basically all established players are looking to regtech fintechs to startups for innovation, for ideas, um, for that that spirit of, of, of entrepreneurship, of, of going about getting things done, being fast, being flexible. And that's quite a unique thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, I think forward-looking and very, very um, talented CEOs probably did that from their own point of view, mm-hmm. having a wide view out into the world and coming back with ideas maybe from other industries. Today, it's a standard, right? And, you know, that's why companies come and sponsor the loft, why they have innovation hubs in-house. Um, they're really looking to generate ideas by working with regtech, fintech companies. Fantastic. And so to wrap things up, what does the future hold for Segvoya? What's kind of next on your horizon? Well, it, it looks bright, but okay. it also looks challenging, obviously. Um, it seems one doesn't go without the other, almost. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I told you we're developing a new product, mm-hmm. so that's very exciting for us. We've been thinking about this for a long time, so very, very happy to get started. Uh, we're also developing our existing platform, and we're doing something that's in line, I think, with um, a market trend. So we're opening up our, we're adding some services, but we're also opening up our platform to add different players and do more collaboration with other companies. So that's going to be the challenging part mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know I'm looking forward to the next couple of years and I hope um, in two three years we can do an interview and we'll say you know how we started small at the loft <laughs> absolutely yeah so uh, on that where can people find out more about you and, and Segvoya if they want to if they want to get involved yes obviously on on our website mm-hmm. segvoya.com uh, Facebook Twitter LinkedIn Instagram we're everywhere we have a great marketing person um and then also you can find that you, know, you can link to me or via linkedin directly um you know or you can find us at the loft fantastic <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on fintech insider thank you thank you to get a more external perspective i spoke to alberto del Masso, ceo of italian payments company satispay to find out why they chose to make the move into luxembourg and how this ecosystem will enable their european expansion can you give us a quick overview of what satispay do well definitely so satispay is uh... Uh, right now, the leading mobile payment solution in Italy. We have created uh, an independent uh, mobile payment network that anybody can use, uh, no matter what's their bank account, to pay in store, send money to friends, pay online, and pay to the public administrations, or save money in money boxes. Uh, the key thing is that we are independent from credit and debit card, and we have created Satispay in order to lower the cost of transaction for merchants uh, and finally solve the problem of a strong European cash economy mm-hmm. in uh, giving a solution uh, that is even cheap for the 
uh, smallest merchant uh, so that they are finally happy to accept uh, electronic payments. Okay, great. I was going to ask you what your origin story and long-term goals were, but that more or less answers the question, unless yeah. there's anything you want to add to, to that. Yeah, so basically it started, uh, it's the typical startup that starts from uh, uh, the need of customers. And I founded Satispay with Dario, which is my co-founder and CTO of the company. And we are two of those millions of Italians that would love to stop uh, going around with cash. Uh, they would have loved to pay everything with cards, uh, but they simply couldn't uh, because most of the times cards are not accepted and specifically for small amount payments, which are those payments that you do every day. So we first of all started to find on the market solution that we could use. Uh, we but we've seen that mainly we, we, we encountered bank application, not great user experience and not really usable by everybody, or application based on credit or debit card that are not solving the problem because the cost for the end merchant is the same. So we saw an opportunity in the European regulation to use the direct debit and credit transfer, which are the banking uh, uh, transfer uh, operations. And uh, we saw that opportunity. We decided to left our previous job, put everything we had in, uh, uh, in this new startup. And uh, six years later, we are uh, 70 person. We raised 42 million so far. And two months ago, we passed half a million customers. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So uh, you said Satispay is an Italian company, but you're based in London and now Luxembourg. Is that right? Yeah. So basically, the structure is... Uh, we have an Italian company, which is uh, the IT company that has created the solution uh, and the holding company of both the UK and the Luxembourg company. What we have started uh, studying is uh, that the best regulator, as Satispay, is uh, aiming to serve all the European market. And as in Europe, you can basically uh, offer a financial service through passporting by simply having... Uh, uh, one uh, single entity that offers uh, uh, his financial service all over Europe. We uh, thought about Italy. We saw some limitation in the regulation that could have uh, slowed down our international expansion. And so we've done a benchmark and we started uh, to try to understand where to establish the financial institution. Uh, London used to be the capital of finance and fintech and uh, I have to say Luxembourg was uh, the second best choice already four years ago. Um, but then because of Brexit, we, we had to re-evaluate uh, uh, other jurisdiction. And I have to say, uh, not only Luxembourg uh, um, kept being the second best, but I think Luxembourg had really stepping up the game. Uh, I've seen uh, the opportunity of becoming the new capital of uh, uh, financial services all around Europe uh, and uh, we have done a, a bit of benchmarking but then a uh, no-brainer the place to be is here in Luxembourg and is in the art of our next markets which are going to be Germany and France. Okay perfect so was it Brexit that made that decision for you to move into Luxembourg or was that something you were looking to do anyway if you're looking to get into France and Germany? Uh, we could uh, stay just with the UK license uh, we will definitely have, uh, uh, with bigger volumes and millions of customers in uh, continental Europe, uh, uh, definitely started looking into 
more than one license probably. Um, but definitely Brexit has beaten up everything. And so we had to take a decision straight away and uh, it has accelerated that decision. So when you moved to Luxembourg, you also joined Loft. Why, why was that? Well, that simply because uh, Loft, uh, Luxembourg for Finance and Luxembourg in general have been doing a great job. Uh, two years ago, they uh, came to Milano to meet uh, the f uh, fintech ecosystem in a meeting. Uh, I've met uh, the team of the Loft as well as the finance minister, uh, Pierre Gramegna. And uh, it, I was impressed by the proactivity of going out to fintech companies all around Europe uh, and explaining how focused they are on the fintech side. I have seen uh, uh, similar actions from other countries, not uh, so dedicated, but then as soon as we started reaching out to the different countries, uh, Luxembourg have been the first to be really responsive. And uh, so we came here, a couple of meetings uh, uh, with the authorities uh, and a meeting with the loft, uh, and we set it up everything pretty easily. They really helped us just thinking about the business and the authorization. The office was already here and all the connection and support that we will have ever needed was there. And I have to say, uh, it's kind of a, a family that helps you in the first few steps you need to take in this country. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> so what does the next uh, 12 months hold for Satispay? Satispay in the next 12 months will consolidate uh, the Italian market, accelerate to get over 1 million active customer as soon as possible. And in the meantime, uh, uh, open uh, the Luxembourgish and the German markets. Uh, so we're really running uh, uh, as fast as possible in order to set up operations in, in new markets and probably a new fundraise to have uh, the uh, right power also on the economical side and marketing side to jumpstart the new markets. Fantastic. Lots to look forward to. Exactly. Where can people find out more about you? On our website, www.satispay.com. Uh, Satispay is on every social uh, media platform from Instagram to uh, LinkedIn, Twitter and um, Facebook. And uh, on our website, you will start also uh, from today, uh, finding the link uh, to our podcast. We have just launched it. Uh, and for right now, is is still in Italian. Uh, I think we're going to do also some episodes in English. Uh, but uh, we love uh, podcasts. It's uh, the greatest media to dig deep into uh, your favorite matters. And so we decided to um, work on that directly to talk about startup, talk about fintech, talk about all the problems we face every day and that we have so much fun together in trying to solve. And so because of that, you will also find us on Spotify. Oh, fantastic. We will look out for that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Fintech Insider. And finally, I spoke to Luc Falampon, CEO of Tokeny, a startup that runs a security token platform based out of Luxembourg, where they have recently changed the law to ensure that DLT transactions are treated with the same legal status as traditional transactions. Let's hear from him now. 
it's my pleasure to be joined by Luc Falampon, uh, CEO of Tokeny at Loft's Fintech Friday Meetup. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. And uh, you're a sponsor of the event tonight. Um, mm-hmm. Like, how how's the event going for you? We've seen a lot of like purple balloons downstairs with your logo on. Yeah, a lot of decoration <laughs> indeed. But yeah, it's very nice. Uh, very nice event so far. Absolutely. So, could you give us a quick overview of what Tokeny do for anyone who's unfamiliar? Yes. So um, at Tokeny, we represent assets on the blockchain. So we are a technology provider and we we provide solutions to uh, help securities issuers to to represent their assets on the blockchain, so to issue, manage and transfer security tokens. Okay, and so how how was your origin story? Like, What were you trying to, or what did you set out to solve as a problem and what's your long-term aim for the company? So before I had another another business, Uh, for six years I was building uh, online marketplaces. Okay. Uh, It was a big e-commerce platform. So it was very uh, interesting for me to uh, to work with blockchain because you do decentralized marketplaces. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I, I got into uh, into blockchain um, a few years ago, and we started Tokeny with the initial vision of uh, doing security tokens or representing securities uh, on this different decentralized infrastructure. And, uh, and today we we are doing it with uh, with clients with financial institutions. So uh, so it's very interesting, and we really can see the, the market moving forward. Now the uh, cryptocurrency trend is a bit uh, <laughs> is a bit down, mm-hmm. so um, so it opens a lot of doors for uh, for big players, for the uh, traditional financial players to mm-hmm. uh, to onboard in the blockchain space. Yeah. So um, we were just talking previously, and you said some of your team are based in other mm-hmm. countries around the world, um, but you're predominantly based in in Luxembourg. Yes. Why why is that, and what are the benefits uh, to Luxembourg in particular? I mean, I guess. More recently, they've changed their legislation, which I guess yes, is a good, uh, a positive for, for you guys and what you do. Yes, um, Luxembourg, because um, it, it's a small country by size, but it's a very important country uh, in the financial world. It's the second place in the world with money under management. Uh, but here in Luxembourg, everybody knows about finance, talk finance. Uh, we have a, a real proximity with uh, with the government, with the regulator, with every big uh, companies in the in this sector. So uh, for us, it really makes sense uh, with this initial vision of tokenizing uh, securities and real uh, financial instruments. It was important for us to to come here, and uh, apparently we were we were right because, mm-hmm. yes, uh, as you said, one month ago we we got a very good, uh, very nice. Um, Valentine's Day gift because it was uh, exactly uh, the the 14th of February. So definitely, the government is uh, is saying publicly that uh, blockchain will happen uh, for the financial sector. So we're happy to be here. Fantastic. So for those that are unclear, can you just give us an overview of what the law has changed from and to? So um, this this new law um, is saying uh, publicly, officially that um, blockchain or DLT uh, uh, systems uh, can be used to transfer securities. So uh, it's, uh, in a way, it gives the legitimacy to, uh, to that kind of, this kind of infrastructure. So for us, it's perfect because now it's clear, it's written in the law that we can use this infrastructure. Uh, so for public markets, it will not change everything tomorrow. But for private markets, it's really interesting because you have almost no infrastructure for private markets. So trust is done by uh, by lawyers and notaries. So uh, with blockchain, we can bring automation. We can enforce compliance. Uh, we can do way many stuff we, could, we couldn't do before. So. Oh, fantastic! So it's going to make a massive difference. Yes, to, step by step. To you guys. Indeed. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Is that going to make a difference to what 
um, what you do internationally as well? Like if you've got the legitimacy in in yeah, most Luxembourg. of our clients so far were uh, abroad. Yeah, uh, we have clients, customers in five uh, five continents already. Um, but the serious customers want to come in Luxembourg because they know that it's very attractive. So uh, more and more we have use cases, and they they want to come in Luxembourg to uh, to open funds uh, or, or other uh, type of financial instruments. And uh, the regulator is uh, is open to. Uh, try to evaluate these uh, use cases, these projects, uh, to be sure the whole value chain is, uh, is respected, the compliance is enforced. So uh, we are, we're trying to help as much as possible. <laughs> Fantastic. So how, how long have you been with, with Loft while you've been in Luxembourg and, and what are the benefits to being um, part we, of this network? We arrived in, the, uh, in this office around one year ago. We were a member before, but not at the office. Um, so far, so good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of help from... Uh, from the loft to uh, uh, to meet uh, investors, customers, uh, different uh, uh, people here in the uh, in Luxembourg. Um, of course, the offices are great. Mm, yeah, um, ten can... minutes walking um, to, to the train station, fifteen minutes to the airport. It's uh, it's in the center of Europe. It's perfect to uh, to, to become the leader of uh, of Europe of this European market. We are at the right place. It takes all the boxes. Yeah, definitely. Nice. So what do the next 12 months hold for you and for Tokini? Um, hopefully, we will uh, finish our fundraising <laughs> in the middle of it. Uh, I would prefer to focus on our product, of course. Uh, so it will be an important step. So we will uh, have the right resources to uh, execute our, our plan, our vision. Um, and also, um, we have very interesting discussions with uh, uh, big financial institutions. And, uh, and we really think that in the next few months, we'll have uh, nice announcements to, to make. Oh, fantastic. I hope so. So uh, good luck with the fundraising. And uh, where can people find out more about Tokeny, your, your website, your uh, social? Yeah, our website, tokeny.com. We, we try to create a lot of um, educational content about tokenized securities. Because, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's mixing technology and compliance. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's difficult to understand. So we create, uh, we create in an e-book. We have articles, webinars, and everything is free, of course. So... Uh, we try to help this ecosystem and to make it happen. Oh, sounds great. We will check it out. So thank you so much for joining us on Fintech thank Insider. Thank you very <laughs> thank much. You. Thank you so much to Luke. So in conclusion, when we came in June, Luxembourg and its fintech ecosystem was portrayed as David versus Goliath as it began to make its mark. Nine months later, the ecosystem is booming with many prominent European and global fintechs choosing Luxembourg as their core European base, and they are poised to grow and grow, particularly in the wake of Brexit as London and the UK leave the EU. They are definitely the ones to watch. And on that note, this concludes this episode of Fintech Insider Insights. Thank you so much to my guests, Pierre Gromagna, Nazir Zubari, Luc Flampon, Alberto Dalmasso and Suzanne Schatz, and of course Manon and the team at Loft that made this episode possible. Thanks for listening. If you want to join the discussion, find us on social media at Fintech Insiders on Twitter or find us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. We'd love to hear your thoughts on everything we just discussed. And as usual, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you really love us, please leave us a review. That's all for this week. Goodbye. Goodbye.